from the capital city of Charleston, West Virginia, this is Inside West Virginia Politics with Mark Curtis. Inside West Virginia Politics is brought to you by AARP West Virginia, your ally for real possibilities in the Mountain State. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of Inside West Virginia Politics. I'm your host, Mark Curtis. Topping our news this week in the Mountain State, an unfavorable ruling from the federal courts concerning the big opioid lawsuit filed by the city of Huntington and Cabell County. They did not prevail in their lawsuit. Joining us right now to get reaction and talk about where we go next is Mayor Steve Williams uh, from the city of Huntington. Good to see you, Mayor. Good to see you too, Mark. I wish we were talking about something else, but um, I'm glad you and I are able to talk about this. Well, it's important because the city and county were seeking roughly $2.5 billion for so-called abatement money from these three big drug distributors that would have helped you with education, drug prevention, treatment, even law enforcement going forward. But the judge ruled in favor of the defendants. What's your reaction? Well, I'm disappointed beyond measure. Um, highly disappointed and frankly the more we talk about it you'll start to see the disappointment is also fed by anger uh, but more than anything else uh, right now i'm determined uh, that um, we never give up and for that matter everything that we have been dealing with on this issue for the last eight years has been able to try to find a way to determine how we could fight the addiction that is uh, changing people's lives and be able to turn the, the table on, on that, but also make sure this never, ever, ever happens again. This isn't who we are. And frankly, I was pleased that we had the trial, that we were able to deliver a message to the citizens of certainly Huntington, Cabell County, but all of West Virginia, that when we ended up having the level of addiction that we started seeing, that it wasn't a character flaw in us. We've been targeted. And notwithstanding what the judge, uh, what the judge's verdict was, I have great respect for Judge Faber, and I have great hope and 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 faith within our judicial system. But the reality is, is these companies were saying that uh, this is something that needed to be paid by the federal government, paid by state government, or the uh, overcoming the the problem paid by local government, city government, for us to be paying for recovery programs and, and, and such like that. And frankly, we were targeted. Over 100 million tablets were dropped upon Cabell County and Huntington over an eight-year period, over 100 million tablets. And the, the, the cost of this should not be borne by the citizens of Huntington, Cabell County, or for that matter, in a grander scale on, on West Virginia. This should be paid for by those who actually brought this up upon us and how the uh, addiction started to take hold of, of our community and communities. Well, there, so, yeah, let's talk that, about going forward, because I know you, you said yesterday when the verdict came out, you are not giving up, and I take you at your I word. Um, what's happened going forward? There are other civil actions, other lawsuits. We've already seen some out-of-court settlements that have created this pool of uh, four or $500 million in the state of West Virginia. Are there other places that Cabell County and Huntington can recoup uh, some of your losses or, or the money that you need going forward? I really don't look over my shoulder to recoup any losses. I'm always looking forward. How do we make sure this never, ever happens again? And in, in that regard, uh, we aren't done. Um, we may 
and I haven't had a chance to, to have an opportunity to talk with our attorneys about this, but we may appeal. I think that certainly is an option. And how we go about doing that, that's an option that's on the table that we still have yet to, to discuss. But we're in the midst of, uh, of lawsuits against the manufacturers and the pharmaceutical companies. So there's still much more to, to be done. An abatement plan is necessary. The abatement simply means that uh, we're going to have programs in place to make sure that we're helping those who are fighting addiction, make sure that it never, ever comes here again. And the families that, are been, that have been in, impacted on this are able to be assisted too, so that we can put this behind us. Mayor, we're down to a minute. Um, uh, uh, COVID knocked a lot of health issues off the front pages. It was all about COVID. How bad has the opioid problem gotten since COVID started? We've had 297 deaths in 2020 and 2021. Since, nine, uh, for instance, since 2007, 2015, we had 804 deaths. So about one third of, of the more than one third of the of the deaths in a seven to eight year time frame happened in the last two years. And um, we have much to overcome. But one thing that we never, ever do in Huntington, in Cabell County, in West Virginia and Appalachia, we don't give up. Everybody else might proclaim us uh, uh, out of the game. We don't give up. And we take you at your word, Mayor Williams, uh, very passionate about this issue. Let's have you back on three months from now, four months from now and get an update, okay? You bet. Thanks, Mark. Appreciate Huntington you. Mayor, Huntington Mayor Steve Williams, always good to see you. Thanks for joining us. We'll have more of Inside West Virginia Politics after this break. Stay with us. Inside West Virginia Politics is brought to you by AARP West Virginia, your ally for real possibilities in the Mountain State. And we welcome you back this weekend to Inside West Virginia Politics. We are going to shift gears in a major way and talk about abortion and reproductive rights right now. I'm uh, going to introduce the Attorney General, Republican Patrick Morrissey from the state of West Virginia. How are you? Nice to see you. Good to have you back in the program again. Obviously, in the fallout of the Roe versus Wade overturned by the U.S. Supreme Court, we're talking to both sides on this issue. Sure. What was your reaction to the Roe ruling and did you favor it? Well, I did. In fact, I've been working for a long time to ensure that the road decision gets overturned. I think that the issue of abortion is best left to the states. That's what the decision was. It didn't outlaw abortion. What it said is, okay, the states are going to be given a lot of deference in terms of how they set up their abortion policy. Now, of course, the question is going to come to what happens here in West Virginia. There's a law that's on the books. I'm going to enforce that law. I've put together some analysis for the public and the legislature so I can make sure that we're minimizing any of the confusion that may exist about this. But I do think that it's important to ensure that we're going to have a durable law that saves as many babies' lives as humanly and legally possible. And I'll be in court trying to ensure that fact. Okay, so the law we have on the books, I think dates back to, what, 1870, it makes abortion a felony for both the provider and the, the, the woman, the mother. Um, does it need to be updated and changed? I mean, you, the governor says he's going to call a special right. session of the legislature. That's sure. what we're anticipating. Does that need to happen and why? Well, first of all, I've made clear that I'm going to enforce the law. That's my duty as the attorney general. So I've been very clear about that. But I've also uh, provided some guidance as to some areas that I think uh, would help uh, better defend the law. 
and we're going to keep going and be very aggressive to protect life. But I think there are things we can do to strengthen defense for the long term. So I do think that it would help to clarify a number of provisions. I've been clear about that. I maintain that. You know, question of timing. I know people are looking at that as to when to do it. I'll leave that for the legislature and the governor. But I think it is important that we uh, get this right and we have the a system that we know is going to operate for a long time. There is a desire on some to keep uh, abortion legal in cases of rape and incest. What if the legislature passes that? Is that something you could support and deal with? Well, look, uh, my job as the attorney general is to uh, defend the laws the way they're written. Right. And if they're presumed to be constitutional, then we defend them. And in fact, in the Alito opinion, he talked really about uh, the state having a significant amount of deference. I think the only one that they really pointed out was the life interest of the mother. And that's what clearly I think every state has to do that. And in fact, in the current law, there's an exception uh, for that as well. So I think we're going to look and see uh, what people may do. In the meantime, we're going to defend the law the way it's written. And I think that's important. Uh, but we want to help people out as much as possible. It's important to get this stuff right, and that's what I'm dedicated to doing. All right, let's pivot because there's a lot to talk about oh, yeah. here. You had a major victory last week before we the U.S. Supreme Court concerning um, the West Virginia versus the EPA. Explain sure. the, the, the consequence of that. Well, this is probably one of the single most important administrative law cases that the high court has heard in over a decade. It really is a big separation of powers case because it gets to who makes the major decisions of the day. In fact, we went all the way up to the U.S. Supreme Court. We did our oral argument in February, and we were asking for one simple concept. If you have a major question, something with vast political or economic significance, we want to make it clear that Congress makes those decisions, not an unaccountable bureaucracy that they can kind of reach down from the ether, pull out, and develop the rationale that they need and get deference for that. We said that that was not right. There was no clear delegation, no clear statement given by the Congress to the EPA in this case. Obviously, the court agreed with us at a six to three decision. Here's why it's so important, Mark. If you look at this going forward, regardless of where you are on any of the issues of the day, Republican or Democrat, you want the constitutional system, the rules to work the right way. When Congress decides whether you like the result or not, that means West Virginia, New York, Texas, California, everyone gets a seat at the table. That's the way the founders intended it. They didn't intend for these bureaucrats to run amok. I think we struck a big blow um, to help ensure that the administrative law and separation of powers are better clarified in the future. All right, we're down to 30 seconds. Another yeah. loaded question. Judge Joanna Tab of the Kanawha County Circuit Court uh, today, which is Wednesday, yeah. we're taping the program for the weekend, ruled the Hope Scholarships unconstitutional in West Virginia, that you cannot spend private or public tax dollars on private schools. Your reaction and what are you going to do? Well, we think that it's legally incorrect and uh, we're filing an appeal. So uh, people should expect that soon. So another case we're right in the middle of, uh, but we think that it's a defense law and uh, we're hopeful for our prospects at the higher court. Yeah, there have been no slow news days this week. <laughs> no, no. We want to thank Attorney General Patrick yeah, Morrison, Republican West Virginia for stopping by. We're going to hear the other side of the reproductive rights debate after this break. Stay with us. Inside West Virginia Politics is brought to you by AARP West Virginia, your ally for real possibilities in the Mountain State. 
we welcome you back to Inside West Virginia Politics as we discuss the issue of reproductive rights. We've heard from the Attorney General of West Virginia. Now let's hear from one of our delegates. This is Democrat Kayla Young of Kanawha County. Good to see you, Good Delegate see Young. You. Great to have you in the program again. You, first of all, your reaction when the decision came down overturning Roe v. Wade at the Supreme Court, what was your reaction? Um, I was sad, but I wasn't surprised. This is exactly what the GOP has been planning for 50 years, so we expected this. So the decision essentially leaves the choice decision up to the individual states. What is your anticipation or what do you think the implications are for here in West Virginia? So when it's overturned, as you probably know, um, we have a criminal penalty on the books from the late 1800s. What that means is that it's a felony to aid and abet an abortion in any way. It's a three to 10 year penalty. And um, the legal scholars are still kind of out. There's a lot of different legal opinions. I know our attorney general is saying that it's now a felony. So. He thinks that doctors will still be able to perform life-saving care, but we know that that's currently not happening. And, and there were, in fact, prosecutions way back in the 1870s uh, of this. I was reading a newspaper article. Um, well, in the meantime, the governor is calling for a special session of the legislature. He hasn't specified a date, but he says it's going to happen soon. You're a member of the legislature. What do you think will get done? What do you think should be done? I don't think we're going to have a special session at all, honestly. Really? I really don't. Um, we'll see. I'm not trying to call his bluff by any means, but um, it seems like the majority party has gotten what they wanted. I don't know why they would call a special session, quite frankly. Well, the attorney general had recommended it. He says that, you know, it may mean to, to clarify a, a, a law that's 160 mm -hmm. years old or whatever it was. Um, and the governor said he would, but you're, you're hearing that maybe that won't happen. Not necessarily hearing. It's my personal thoughts. Um, I don't, I, it's my feeling. I don't think they'll do it. Um, the law, the actual language, it's, it's really old, like you said. It's incredibly difficult to read. It's hard to tell whether it prosecutes um, providers or patients. I fall on the side of I think it does hurts doctors, but we'll see. It's, it is unclear. I hope they'll clarify it, but I don't expect them to. Yeah, let me frame the question a little bit differently. You don't think there's going to be a session. Let's just assume there is sure. for a moment. What would you like to see done? And, and if, the, if there is going to be a prohibition of abortions in the state of West Virginia, would you like to see some exemptions for, for rape and incest, for example, and talk about that? Yeah, um, well, personally, I think that reproductive rights should be up between a person and their physician. I don't think that the government should really be involved at all. We don't get involved in cancer diagnosis. We don't get involved in any other diagnosis. I don't know why this should be any different. I think abortion is health care and that that's how we should treat it. However, I know the majority doesn't feel that way. And um, so if we're going to have any sorts of bans, I do hope that there are exemptions. But personally, I think it's health care. What, what, what are the implications, too, of we're going to have this hodgepodge of states? I've mm -hmm. seen charts of the United States that say there are going to be at least 26 states that are going to outlaw abortion, 24 will remain legal. What does that mean for a woman in West Virginia? Where is she going to have to go if she chooses to terminate her pregnancy? Well, as of today, they could go to, I believe, D.C. or Maryland and maybe Virginia, but I know Ohio and Kentucky, I think, are out. It's honestly changing by the day. A Kentucky judge ruled yesterday to resume um, care. 
it's it's a mix of everything. Um, right now, they would not be safe in West Virginia, and that includes things like ectopic pregnancies, something that that neither uh, the that the mother can't even survive, and sometimes you only have hours to to solve it. And so, it's very dangerous situation for West Virginia pregnant people right now. What do you think the political implications are? We are in election year. Uh, abortion was not an issue really at the everybody's talking about inflation and gas prices and this and that. And all of a sudden this this issue comes from out of nowhere and it seems to rocket it to the top to a lot of the campaign mm -hmm. uh, that we're going to see this year. It has, yeah. Um, we're going to see. Uh, honestly, Republicans have been campaigning for years on banning abortion. They did it. So now, now what's the one thing they care about? I don't know. Um, I think it is at the top of minds for a lot of people, especially the people that lost their rights and their independence a couple weeks ago. Yeah, I'm predicting in a lot of the U.S. Senate races, it becomes particularly important because if somebody would want to reverse the reversal mm -hmm. down the road, you've got to appoint justices to the Supreme Court. And the only way you do that is if, if you have a majority in the U.S. Senate that is on your side on this issue. Sure. We've seen it swing back and forth. Yeah, or they could codify Roe into law. Well, uh, you know, that there have been efforts by the Democrats or discussions about that for for over 50 years. Mm -hmm. and hasn't happened, even when they had big majorities in yeah. both the U.S. Senate and U.S. House. That's surprising. All right. Well, this issue is not going away. We're going to continue to discuss it. We want to thank Delegate Kayla Young, uh, Democrat of Kanawha County, for joining us. Great to see you. And thank we'll have you. you back. As I said, this issue is not over. Yeah. Thanks. Man. We'll have more of Inside West Virginia Politics after this break. Inside West Virginia Politics is brought to you by AARP West Virginia, your ally for real possibilities in the Mountain State. And we welcome you back this weekend on Inside West Virginia Politics, a huge announcement coming out of Washington, D.C. that affects a lot of people here in the state of West Virginia. I want to introduce Secretary Ted Diaz. He is the Secretary for Veterans Affairs for the state of West Virginia. Great Mark, to have you on the program Mark, again. Mark, thanks for having me back. The last time you were here was to discuss proposed drastic cuts that could have been coming to the Huntington VA Hospital, Clarksburg, and Beckley. And now we understand from Senators Manchin and Capito, those cuts are not going to happen. That is correct. It is, it's an answer to a lot of hard work, hard, hard effort, just getting the word out about this. And it's a relief to some, you know, more than 70,000 veterans that are enrolled in the healthcare, VA healthcare system here in the state. Let me talk procedurally about how this happened. Uh, the, the, the VA, in conjunction with the White House, the executive branch, created, uh, they wanted this commission known as the Asset and Infrastructure Review Board. And the president nominated, I guess, nine people to serve on the, the yes. commission. It gets to the Senate Veterans Affairs Committee, of which Senator Manchin is a member, and they got a bipartisan group of 12 senators including Manchin, Capito, yes, Rob Portman, uh, Sherrod Brown from Ohio. So we had four from our region that said, no, we're not going to hold these confirmations hearings. We're not going to confirm any of these commissioners. Therefore, this board that's going to do cuts doesn't it exist. Is. Interesting. Yes. Uh, I cannot thank um, Senator Manchin, Senator Capito for their diligence on this as far as West Virginia's veteran population goes. This was, had the potential of being a healthcare emergency, uh, disaster, had those, had those recommendations carried through. 
Let's talk about this too, because you word the, the you use the word emergency, and that prompts me to say they were going to close the emergency rooms at these three facilities, turn them into urgent care operations, which is not the same as an emergency room. No, it is not. Elective surgeries and a lot of inpatient procedures were going to be jobbed out to private hospitals and elsewhere, yes. and essentially a lot of the medical services of these three facilities were going to go away. You talk about seventy thousand veterans just in the state of West Virginia. We know people come across the border to the other mm -hmm. states, particularly. Huntington because it's right on the border. Right. I mean, what would the impact have been on our military veterans? Well, just like with we're experiencing right now um, in West Virginia, health care is, I mean, there's staffing shortages across the state for health care providers, uh, ancillary services. This would have impacted their care as well. Um, not only the physical uh, medical conditions, but also mental health as well. It has a snowball effect. You, you yes. shut down three hospitals serving 70,000 people in the state, and you say, well, we're going to send you all to CAMC, or we're going to send you to Ruby Memorial. Those places are already taxed. Everybody has a nursing shortage. We all know about that. Yes. And a lot of the medical technicians are in short supply. And you can see what the ripple effect would right. have been. It would have also, um, if you think about it, it would have been an excess of 250 hospital beds taken away from being utilized within the state. That puts 250 more beds that have to be uh, that would have to be found within the hospital system, within the healthcare system of the state. Um, just to give you an idea, an example um, of these potentials. Several months ago, my mother-in-law had a had a health care crisis and which required her to go into St. Mary's uh, via ambulance and even though they got her admitted into the emergency room she ended up having to sit in the emergency room for 18 hours before she was brought up to the floor uh, you know the floor the CCU and our citizens in this state are already <clears throat> facing this. Add on top of that 70, 70 to 72,000 um, veterans that would be facing that. All right, well, it's not going to happen. That's the good news of the week. Yes. Uh, again, Senators Manchin and Capito, uh, pardon the phrase, torpedoed this thing <laughs> with, yes. with 10 other yes, U.S. Senators. We want to thank Secretary Ted Diaz from the West Virginia Department of Veterans Affairs, a veteran himself. We always like to have you on the program. You come back and we'll talk soon. If, if I could, I'd also like to just go ahead and i got to thank Governor Justice for his support in this, Senator Manchin, Senator Capito, and our three congressional delegation good point they it, they all played a big part in this yeah well this is good news for west virginia veterans we support our military in the state don't we yes we do thank you for listening to this week's episode of inside west virginia politics you can hear more from state local and federal lawmakers each and every sunday morning on wowk tv in charleston wboy tv in clarksburg wdvm in the eastern panhandle WTRF in Wheeling, and WVNS in Beckley. You can also find a new episode of the Inside West Virginia Politics podcast right here on this feed every Monday morning. If you like the show, make sure to leave a review on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, or wherever else you listen to podcasts.
Inside West Virginia Politics is a Nexstar Media Group production, hosted and managed by Mark Curtis. Inside West Virginia Politics is recorded and edited inside the studios of WOWK-TV in Charleston, West Virginia. All rights reserved.